how should you plan for when your home becomes too small or when the next one gets too big? At Sandy Spring Bank, we're here to help create personalized solutions for financing your home loan. Whether it's a new home or refinance, renovation or addition, fixer-upper or new build. Banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your mortgage. Visit sandyspringbank.com mortgage. Mortgage, home equity, and other credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank, equal housing lender. This episode of Bushers Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right, you. I'm back, baby. Woo! Talking to Jacob Truba. Captaincy and some other stuff as well. You want to support this podcast? Buy us a coffee. Get ad-free episodes as we are about to sell out even harder to have ads on these shows. You can do that at patreon.com slash blue shirts breakaway. You can support us. Talking about the New York Rangers every single week forever. Jacob Troop is captain. We have our friend Jenny La- Johnny Lazarus from the Blue Crew on today. We have a 45-minute conversation with him somehow on August 15th about the Rangers. And without further ado, let's get into it. The opening of the show, we talk fantasy baseball for about, I don't know, a minute and 30 seconds. And Greg is super mad at me for some reasons. You'll hear about that. And then we talk all Rangers all the time after that. Okay, here we go. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier. And you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Break events. Welcome to another week of the Bushers Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, here with my co-host, Greg Kapo. And Greg, say hello. It's been a while. You fucking cheat. Welcome uh, back. Not a cheat. Explain. <laughs> all right. Defend defend yourself. In, in 30 seconds or less. People, people, first Let of all. Let the world know what you're talking about. First of all, context. About. Context. You and I are in a fantasy baseball league. You lambasted me weeks ago uh-huh. for trading for J.D. Yep. Martinez. You were like, you're an okay. idiot. There's a Slack notification. Unbelievable. You were... You were lambasting me. I said, okay, fine. I get it. I'm an idiot. I traded three picks for J.D. Martinez. It's Dynasty League. Then your team, which also sucks, including mine, decided to win a big matchup. From there, I lost big matchups over and over again, and I surpassed you to get the number one overall pick next year, which, again, I believe is inconsequential comparatively to, like, a fantasy football or a fantasy basketball league. And you think I tanked by starting Braxton Garrett over Blake Snell, and nobody cares. Nobody cares about this. I can't. Anyway, I, you're, I, you're a dirty cheat. Okay. You're an untrustworthy person. Everyone needs to look at you differently. That's essentially <laughs> okay. what it comes down to. It's l- fucking bullshit. That's all I'm saying. literally on vacation. <laughs> I was away from all, everything, set my uh, lineup, and walked away. Hiked the mountains. Yeah. It was a great that's time. Right. That's right. You started a pitcher against the Braves and not a pitcher against the Nationals. And I'm here innings, to think that that's Five innings, no earned runs. I don't know what to tell you. Sure. You had 10 Ks. Would have won Ks, but it's fine. Whatever. It doesn't, doesn't change the outcome. Anyway. I, d- I dislike you strongly. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> That's not a surprise to anybody. <laughs> there's no... it, I, uh, okay, we'll end this because there's actual Ranger shit we need to yeah, talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, no one cares. I will say, though, me going from the number one pick to now the number three pick, going to make it a lot easier to justify taking Kumar Rocker. I was going to say, I mean, Jackson Holiday, but I feel like Kumar Rocker at three is fine for you. You'll figure it out. You're going to take him at one anyway. Doesn't matter. You're not taking. No, I, I was actually going to take Drew Jones, who's now impossibility for me. I will likely take Drew Jones. That's correct. Yeah, and Jackson Holiday's going to go too. It's going to be one, two, three, just like it was in the uh, baseball draft. But anyway, whatever. That's enough of this. That's yeah. enough of this. Well, enough of this talk. Jacob Truba, my friend, <laughs> captain of the yeah. New York Rangers and GM, according to you. Uh, boy, I missed the news. I was like, hey man, they're going away on vacation. There's no way the Rangers do anything. I can't. Mm-hmm. I came back to society. I opened my phone and it said. The Rangers not only had assigned, uh, named a captain, but they also 
had a press conference on Twitter, YouTube, and MSG for the first time ever, ever, ever live for anything. Uh, I'd watched the press conference. It was awkward. It seemed like they kind of thrown together. They mentioned uh, the le- the locker room has a lot of good leaders multiple times. And then the questions were like, hey, Truba, how's it, how's it feel being captain? He's like, great, always wanted to be captain. And that's about as far as it really went. I thought there were some interesting quotes about we didn't want to name a captain last year because we were afraid, like, you know, what if someone gets traded? Well, I mean, that, that was from Gallant. And Drew just sitting right there like, uh, what? I, I, so, or bought out is, was another word they used. I thought that was interesting. And outside of that, uh, the press conference was a little bit of like an awkward fest, which is fine. Like, I'm happy they did it. I'm happy they used their, one of their six channels that they can broadcast things on. And Jacob Truba uh, just came out and was like, you know, I'm captain now. That's <laughs> Look at me. That's me. I'm the captain. Chris Kreider probably watching in the in the in the hallway, very upset, which I can understand. All right, first of all, yeah, I'm going to start with where you finished. Yes, because I think it's right. People are gonna people are gonna listen to that and they're gonna they're gonna run with it and they're gonna think they're if Chris Kreider wanted to be captain, he'd be captain. I think he's too first selfless. I think he's too selfless, which makes him the it's real not his captain. Bag. He doesn't he doesn't want it. It's not his bag. Some guys, and that's not saying by me saying he doesn't want it, it's not his bag. I'm not saying he's not a team leader. I think it's very clear that he is. It's I think extremely he's one of the most clear. important. Yeah, I think he's one of the most important voices in the locker room. I think when he's on the ice, he's a different guy than when he's off the ice. But Chris Kreider very much feels like we talked about this in our Good Hangs podcast, by the way, which we figured out a lot of things about the Rangers and their plans in the future. But Chris Kreider is a, he ain't the rah rah guy, right? He ain't the guy that's going to call team meetings. He ain't the guy that's going to, um, in a locker room setting be the guy people turn to first. Like sometimes you do have to be kind of outspoken and loud. And that's not Chris Kreider's bag. He's going to sit in front of the media and say everything that he feels because he knows that whatever he tells them, it's not going to be disagreed with or viewed negatively in a locker room. So he gets to speak from the heart and he knows when he's on the ice that he can play with not necessarily the edge or sandpaper that some people think of off the top, but when he's on the ice, he is, a guy you look towards to lead by example. But you need a guy who can do everything. And Chris Kreider, that's just, he's not comfortable doing everything, which is fine. Not all players need to be. And how many times have we come on this? I mean, we've talked at length on this podcast, specifically last year, that from what we were hearing, if the New York Rangers had a captain last year, it was Jacob Truba. Yeah, we, we've been saying this for a while. Yeah, this was not a surprise. Uh, can we yeah. can we go back to the Cryer thing real quick? I thought it was um, sure. rather interesting. And again, it's the internet, so any opinion exists. Every every any opinion you've ever thought of, even the ones you think are freaking crazy, and there's no way anyone thinks that. I promise someone does. But I saw a lot of well, Kreider's like, yeah, he's a good leader, but he doesn't bring it on the ice, or he's invisible I- for stretches. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, now, hold on, hold on. We we have, yes, but that does not... He, he has from time to... He's not invisible in terms of, I don't notice Chris Kreider out there, but we have talked at length before last season about the six weeks every year Chris he, Kreider He is a cold streak player, for sure. Cold streak, hot streak player, no doubt about it. But when it comes to, like, actual, like, I know his production goes cold. I understand that. I'm pretty sure he's like is a guy that plays hard every night. Not just I know yes. I know Jacob Truba goes out there and lays hits, does the you know the WWE moves, suplexes people. I get it, and that sets a tone for the team. 
I understand. But I, I was shocked about the amount of... I was also shocked with the amount of people that on one side were like, I can't believe it's not Kreider, and the other people that were just like so pro-Truba. Like, I, I didn't know those two crowds really existed on two sides. Yeah, I... Sorry, uh, Met game. Very important game. You, you're going to get reactions to things that happen in Met game all night. Um, let is me it, put it this way. Yeah, well, Starling Marte made a nice catch. It is against the Braves. Got Very it. important. Uh, we're going we're to have to talk about Brett Beatty at the end of this podcast, by the way. Fine. Which fucking pisses me off. Um, let me put it this way. I, 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 I'm not making any accusations. I'm not making any claims in this. But can you... Has Chris Kreider ever taken a young player under his wing? Or does Chris Kreider kind of expect young players to perform to a certain level? And he's happy to help them along the way. But like a mentorship role. I would absolutely say he's mentored Alexi Lafreniere in a lot of ways. I'm not sure. Not, but... This isn't the Have point. Have you seen I'm really Mika and Kreider with Alexi Lafreniere? They're like fathers. <laughs> it's, it's, they this like isn't really the. This laugh. isn't. This isn't totally the point I'm trying to make. Okay, I just sorry. Jacob Truba. He feels like he can tailor make his leadership qualities to each individual player, whereas like Truba understands, Kako needs one thing, Miller needs one thing, Fox needs one thing, whereas Kreider you get the feeling that he's kind of the same guy even killed across the board. And he's happy to be that guy when he needs to be that guy. But there's just, there are different qualities in Truba and Kreider. But the point I really want to make here is this. If Chris Kreider wasn't okay with Jacob Truba being captain, you know who wouldn't be captain? Jacob Truba. It's that simple. I, I don't know how else to really get that point across. Where if Truba wasn't universally acknowledged as being that guy from the leadership core. And we can call the leadership core Kreider, Zabinajad, Panarin. Um, I would put Fox up there. And I, I would say those are probably your big four, right? Mm-hmm. They get the true say in who's going to do what. If one of those four doesn't agree with a decision of that magnitude, I promise you it doesn't happen. So those four guys need to sign off on it. And they did. And that's why we're here. And not just that's how we're here. We would have been here last year. I do think Gallant was talking sideways a little bit when he's like, um, and we again, we have to remember that Gerard Gallant, world-class liar. I, I do think we lose track of that every now and then. When he says we, we didn't want to name a captain just to make sure someone was traded or something like that, I don't think he's talking about Jacob Trouba. I think he's literally trying to deflect in real time about why he didn't name a captain last year. And his go-to excuse is, well, someone above me may not have had the same vision that I did. And that's the way he verbalized it. I, I, I thousand percent believe that. I am. We. It, it's been a long time. I don't think we've had a lot of opportunities to talk about a recent lie Gerard Gallant has spun. So I'm happy he spun another one to remind me that, like, oh yeah, he's kind of full of shit. <laughs> so I, I like if anyone took that as, oh, they were going to trade Truba. How many times, Ryan, have I come on this podcast and I've told you like, that it is so far many. more likely Jacob Truba plays eight full years in the New York Rangers. Than it is he ever leaves. He's not. It has always been a fan theory that Jacob Truba would be the fall guy when it comes to the salary cap. When in reality, the fall guy are going to be a couple of the young guys. I'm looking at you, Heedle, and Lindgren. And then the fall guy is just the COVID pandemic. The Rangers signed Truba to that contract not to trade him eventually, but because that contract is just not supposed to be as expensive as it is. The counterpoint. 
Yes. Go, go, the ca- go. The counterpoint to you is that the Rangers love trading their captains. They fucking it's love true. it. It's true. It, it, it's actually more likely now that Chuba will be traded um, than it was <laughs> it before he was is. Like, I wish you make a great point. It's super strong. And I, I agree with everything you said on Truba. And I think you and I have always brought up the 2024. One of the contracts probably needs to go if you want to do anything substantial, which is Kreider or Truba. Right now, I would say, like, if you're a Kreider supporter, it's more likely going to be Kreider at that point in time than Jacob Truba. That being said, the Rangers have traded their last three captains to Tampa. I, I so. still believe I still believe two things are possible that we haven't considered enough of. One. One is Filipino and Ryan Lindgren's long-term futures. Because we've often said the Rangers can't pay everybody, and our minds just go to, all right, we're getting rid of some of the veterans. But we should be talking more aggressively about how some of the young guys just aren't going to be here. And we're going to have to cross that bridge with Hito and Lindgren sooner rather than later. And then the second point that I think we just haven't considered very much is maybe the Rangers just don't want to make a move. Maybe, maybe they are extremely happy with all the guys that they have. And if they can't pay one of them, okay, fine. We can't pay one of them. And there he goes. Like they walked to the end of the road with Ryan Strong. So we know they are capable of finally doing that with players that you would, or some people in the organization would consider quote unquote core guys. So it's completely possible that the Rangers just – they don't see Capo Caco as a Ranger for 10 years like we do. They don't see Ryan Lindgren as a Ranger for seven more years, which I would have a hard time disagreeing with. Like it's we, – we have to look at the Rangers differently. We look at the Rangers how we want to. We don't do a good enough job sometimes as fans, not just us, of looking at the Rangers as Chris Drury would or as – anyone in Rangers front office would. And again, it's just like, it's totally possible that the Rangers have all the dudes that they want and they'll try to pay as many of them as they do. But like, when we say that Trocek's the last big move, baby, we're not kidding. Like, this is it for three years. If you want to talk yourself into fourth line machinations and bringing in some younger guys that could possibly fit this lineup, great. The Rangers are done making big moves for about two to three years. Oh, we didn't talk about the other big news, the big move they made. Jimmy Vesey, baby. He's back. Well, we don't, we still don't know if that's actually a thing. (laughs) But I, I know. So I, 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 um, I went, I went to a Met game with friend of the show, uh, based Chesty the Mm -hmm. other day. Oh, nice. And I, I was telling him that my theory is Vesey's just going to be your obligatory veteran PTO at, in camp. Because I saw a lot of people being like, how can, how can we afford Feasy? Why didn't we just pay Jimmy um, Tyler Mott? Tyler What's Mott. going on? It's like, guys, he's, he's, he's not going to be a Ranger. That's why. He's going to come out on a PTO. If he wants to go to Hartford, he'll be more than invited. And if he doesn't want to go to Hartford, he'll be back on the market. But Jimmy VC, cool, whatever. I don't care. I really – it's – the Rangers are not going to add payroll to their roster in a significant way. They are no, done. The big, the it big move over. for the Rangers comes at the trade deadline when they have, we'll have something like what? Six to f- seven million when the money, but even that, up. even that Ryan, I don't, I don't think it's going to be a quote unquote big move. I think it'll be like, guys, I don't know how to say it. it ain't Patrick Kane. It's not. So someone will have to be hurt for it to be Patrick Kane, but assume health and assume quality production where the New York Rangers are in a position to add. They're adding middle six guys like Cop and Vetrano again. They're not adding a star. They want flexibility to add along the margins because that's what good teams do. 
But if the new if the New York Rangers felt they were a star away from truly being that team, they wouldn't have signed Vincent Trocheck. No, would they, not have done it. No, they wouldn't have. They wouldn't have. And and they thought they were just a second line center from being away. And they wanted to play Trocheck as we've discussed on this show. Uh, plays more of the Gallant style, which is the four check, dirty work. And they were hoping that replacing Ryan Strom with that, which again is not really fair to Ryan Strom because he played with like a torn groin or whatever it was throughout the whole playoffs. And I thought he had a pretty damn good Ranger career. I know we were sick of watching him. I get it. I was sick of watching him miss empty nets. He had the most Ryan Strom moment ever in the Eastern Conference Finals. Understandably, well, totally. Understandable. Here, here's here's the here's the Ryan Strom conversation in a nutshell. Do you, would you ever expect him to do more than what he did for the Rangers? No, no. No, right? So we hit the ceiling. And when you hit the ceiling with a player and the roster just isn't good enough to get over there, you got to find a new house. You, you just have to. Whether, whether it's fair to expect Vincent Trocek would be better, the Rangers would have hamstrung themselves if they just ran it back. Because we, we saw, again, you can say it was health with him and Panarin and all that. Guess what? Hockey's a hard sport. Nobody's ever going to be a thousand percent healthy, especially when it comes to the playoffs. You're always going to have guys trying to play through stuff and shit like that. So could, could you realistically say health aside were that was that New York Ranger team good enough to get to where you want them to get to? The answer was no. And once that's your answer, you do have to look elsewhere, regardless of how successful that player was for you. Correct. And, and if the Rangers do somehow in some way have a healthy Ryan Strom and beat Somehow, some way, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Avalanche likely still have their way. Like I said, it's probably, it's probably cookings for them. The Cal McCarr and and McKinnon just rip them up. It's probably what happens, and that's partially with like hopefully Trocheck can solve that issue, or Igor can just cover up every single issue the Rangers ever have for the rest of his life, which will likely be what you have to do as a Ranger fan. But again. The Trocheck thing is it's fine, but it is their last move. It's their it's there's three years. There's nothing really left unless the cap magically, which it will not, goes up in the next two years. And I think 2025 is the projected cap raise. The Rangers are done, man. There's nothing else. So Jacob Truba, uh, get in there and lead. Route, uh, you know, raise the tempers, uh, control the emotions, get everything going. Uh, because it's your turn. It's your turn to lead this squad. And it, well, I guess the question we haven't asked that we need to ask. Do you expect anything to change now that he has the C on his chest? Nope. Yeah. The one thing I will expect to change is that, and I think this is a little awkward, again, just awkward stuff. At the end of games, it's usually Kreider that stands by the door where all the guys come in and they give fist bumps and all that stuff, and Kreider's the last one off all that. I think Truba has to do that now because he's captain. I don't. Who cares? I don't who know. Cares? I just who, think it's Sarah. Who honestly cares? I think there no, are people I think who Truba, care. <laughs> I think the only thing that happens is Truba comes out first. That's it. I mean, the, sure, there are people that care. Why do we need to care about those people? Fair. Like who get who? Why? Why would? Why would someone give a shit? I don't. I don't know. It's. It's like, the, that. I love the drama. I'm a messy bitch. Like that's. <laughs> I know you are. That's why you're a cheat. You're a fucking <laughs> cheating a scoundrel. Like you're proving all my points. A scoundrel. But I like who? Who cares? Who stays on the ice longest? Like, is Artemi Panarin still going to do his roadrunner and be the last ranger off the ice? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. not going to change. Well, Jacob Trouba jerseys will increase. There you go. Cha-ching for MSG. Congrats. I, I, do think, I do think so. I have to get one. I feel like I, this is all because of me. And to be I honest, like, to. this is your fault. Like, you I, do. My fault? I'm taking responsibility. <laughs> you do. Fault, fault, would, fault would signify that I did something wrong. You here. called the trigger You're thing, all fucking like, welcome. Two years in advance. 
We fight. Your dad was on the podcast when he got traded to the Rangers. We're going to kick your dad off. <laughs> like, <laughs> what happened, man? It's all up to you. Um, yeah, congratulations, Truba. I still. Th- oh, by the way, don't tweet uh, not your president jokes and hashtags. Doesn't go over yeah, well. Didn't work, chief. Did not. People yeah. didn't like that. It was just you're a moron. Yeah. What else is new? Okay, great. <laughs> um, Othman, we'll get to it right now. Why not? Sure. This is the other topic. World Juniors is happening, and Brendan Othman has like I don't know six points in like five games, some shit. He's popping off. He looks great. Uh, he's probably going to be a great NHLer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the question what? I see is he. I don't what? know. You're I just going to no slide idea. that one? Oh, he's probably going to be great in the NHL. What? People I respect. Not necessarily, Chief. People I respect think he'll be good. I don't know. People I respect call him a middle six forward. That's great all of a sudden? That's that's solid. Just solid. The big, big gap in solid and great here, buddy. Fair. I, I think he's got a knack for goal scoring. Will that? I mean, other players have done that too. I think there's like, but well, how many goals does at least Stepniak score in, in minors? Probably a lot. Um and then he just, well, I guess he scored 20 with the uh, Carolina Hurricanes the year after. Congratulations, Lee Stepniak. There's your random Ranger of the Week. But uh, the often thing, the question I see the most is, is he going to make the team? No. No chance. Not zero. Zilch. He has to go into camp and just rip it up. Like, absolutely dominate on accident. Because otherwise well, he's going back to Jesus. But not, not just that. Not only does he have to rip it up, Kravtsov has to disappoint. Both have to happen. It has to be yes. both. He has to make Kravtsov look like he can't play in the NHL at all. And we've talked about Othman in the past where um, it, because of the stupid rules when it comes to junior eligibility, like Othman realistically, the reason why we even have this conversation is because we know he shouldn't be going back to juniors. We know he's graduated from juniors. He's done at that level. He has nothing to prove. But the way the rules work is there nothing we can do where he might not be NHL ready but the Rangers can't send him to Hartford. So it's either he's on the big club or he's at a level that will not help his development at all. And that is a shitty place to be. And I hate it. I but hate it too. I hate it for that's him. The, that's the only reason this conversation is happening. If he was eligible to go to Hartford, nobody would be saying that he would have a realistic shot at making the New York Rangers. It, it's just, it's not a conversation we're having. It's just the fact that sending him back down does nothing for him. It bores him. You're essentially wasting a year. At the same time, he's not ready for the National Hockey League. That's nothing wrong with saying that. We're not discrediting him as a prospect or a dude. He's a child. Also, it's not like the Rangers have done a great job developing forwards. Like you really want to rush NHL him? Level. Yes. At the NHL level. At the NHL level. Yes. You really want to rush him? Did you did you watch what happened with Alexi Lafreniere or Kapokako over the past two years? This guy, this guy wasn't even a top overall pick. Only the top, like top three guys, really get chances at the NHL right away. Everyone else stays in juniors, all the time. Yes. So why are we rushing him? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, Owen Owen Power, last year's number one overall pick, still not in the NHL. Cool. Yeah, it, we don't need to rush Offman. He's going to be hopefully. Fi- it it, a it, fine it sucks. We admit that this situation sucks. And we admit that we wish there was a way to fix it. There is. Stop giving a shit about fucking Canadian junior hockey. The stupidest thing in the fucking world. I'm sorry. I will say, I'm sorry that there are people listening offended to this right now. It was. I don't care. Yes. I don't care. I don't. I do not care about the fucking Flint Spitfires or whatever the hell they're called. I never will. If they cease to exist, my life would go on. It's dumb. (laughs) Let's talk about Brad Beatty right now. (laughs) But no. But actually, the Beatty point is perfect for this. Where like, 
the New York Mets are a World Series caliber team. And they're debating whether bringing up one of their top prospects to help them immediately right now would, one, work for them, or two, fit on their roster. And it's a similar situation. The New York Rangers want to win a Stanley Cup. No they, doubt about it. Gerard, your, Gallant's concern, right Gerard Gallant's concern is not making sure Brennan Othman or Will Cooley gets enough minutes every night that make it worth keeping them in the NHL. He doesn't care. His job is to win games. And that's his first, second, and third concern. And yes, if Brennan Othman playing 10 minutes a night helps the New York Rangers win a hockey game this year, he should be doing it. But it's also probably not great for his long-term trajectory. No, Gallant would rather have Greg McKaig. Like, let's not beat ourselves around the bush here. This is exactly what would happen. Greg McKay- well, I will, I'll say this. This is why I am willing to talk myself a little bit in the Will Cooley. Because while I think it'll be a shame for his upside if he's kind of um, square peg round hole into a bottom six role with the Rangers and is playing limited minutes, but at least Will Cooley would, at, would check a box that the New York Rangers needed checked all while providing some upside that guys like Greg McKegg can't bring to the table. But the, the Othman conversation to me is completely different. You just, we don't have time to worry about getting Othman minutes and all that shit. These days are over. And I got to tell you, I, I, with Kravtsov, I just feel like he has to be more ready. If he's not, listen, this is a wonderful debate that we will have to have in camp for sure. Because if Kravtsov's not ready, New York Rangers got a problem big that problem, they're going to have dude. to figure out. Not only that, if Kravtsov's not ready or if, or if Kako doesn't step up in a big way, Rangers got problems. Serious problems. I, I don't know about serious, but again, like... The right wing you can't have a, of, like, of the team is weak if, one, if two of those kids don't pop off. It's weak, yes, but it's like one of those things where the beauty of having Kreider Zibanejad and Panarin Trocek and Lafreniere, who I think is on a different level than everybody else, and I'm very confident Lafreniere is going to be perfectly fine. Having those five guys, if you have other questions along the roster, things are still probably going pretty well for you. Oh, by the way, Igor Shosturkin's in goal. So, like, the problems the Rangers have, yes, we're going to think they're the biggest problems in the world, but even the worst-case scenario for Kako, Kravtsov, and Hedl, like, the New York Rangers are still a playoff team which is crazy and silly. And I think we lose track of that from time to time. We do. All right, let's do some five-star questions and get to our guest. How about that? Um, this is from, uh, I don't want to do this whole thing. Blue Gunner asks, what top 10 Premier League clubs would you match with the top 10 NHL teams to? I don't think it's as simple as that. No. It's not. Uh, it's the like- Tony X asked like on Twitter the other day, if someone could explain what's happening to Manchester United in hockey terms. I saw what you and, said, and it's beautiful. It's perfect. Yeah, <laughs> and I said what's happening at Manchester United is imagine what's happening with the Philadelphia Flyers, but they have the reputation of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and right. that's how you get Manchester United. Um, yeah, I don't – it's tough. Like, does the NHL have a Man City? No. no. It's the Avalanche maybe for two years. But Man City, no, like, because, no, but six like, years of domination. Yeah, it, it's tough because even the Avalanche – like. Man City w- would get to the Stanley Cup final equivalent every season for six years. But it's not even like – the. I understand the Lightning won two cheap titles and made it to a third. So I guess you'd have to say Tampa. But even then, like, there was doubt every year that Tampa would get there. And there's never a doubt that Man City is a top two team. 
It's two weeks into the Premier League right now as we speak, and Man City's likely won it. So there oh, yeah, because, because Liverpool dropped points in both the, their open both games. Both Fulham and, and Crystal Palace. Hey, turns out, don't headbutt somebody. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, my God. Oh. Incredible. In, in, mm, chef's kiss. Uh, also, shout out Arsenal. They're having a great year. Can't, can't under, understate what's going on there. Not worried about so, Arsenal. <laughs> no, but, like, it, everybody tries it. to – I, I've tried to do this game for other sports too, where like people ask me what's the Mets equivalent of a Premier League team, Spurs and it's just like yeah. it's it's probably Tottenham if you could really really find one. But now like like a lot of the Tottenham is they would always fail at the top and they had a cheap owner, and now the Mets don't have that. So and I don't Tottenham's even know. Tottenham's paid what... people and they got a good coach, so it's like I don't know. I don't know. It's tough. I don't think I don't have the ability to equate NHL teams to Premier League teams. Just like. Man City and Liverpool, like those teams just don't exist. And that's a problem. This home run, that's not great. It's not wonderful. The Mets are losing. I'm in okay. a bad place. Next question. Okay. Uh, David, speaking of the Mets, David, okay. Grilled Cheese fan, asked, do any sports broadcast even get to the same stratosphere as SNY? Is the whole product between the video and production and announcers? No, probably and, not. Yeah, I don't. I don't well, first of all, I don't know. So before we shit on everybody else, fact that matters i don't know i but i know that the the broadcasts i watch which are mostly nfl college football then the mets and the rangers and it it's not close like the mets are trying they try things and i i, I will say this as much as we have well, so you MSG. specifically have shit on some things that msg does i at least appreciate that they try stuff like the adam fox game, they have tried right? new things and I, i'm very proud of them for real yes no i am I'd, I'd rather someone try something and it doesn't work than stick with something that works but isn't very interesting. So I, I, I want to make sure that I am giving MSG the credit they deserve for and, taking a swing. And Balakat is, is as good as they come, period. But the, 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 another big difference between a baseball broadcast and a hockey broadcast, the level of difficulty making a hockey broadcast great, it's just so much higher because baseball, it's constant that there's no action. And it's something I love about baseball, where it's a frantic 27 minutes um, spread out over three hours. That's something I enjoy. I enjoy the storytelling, the narrative building, and and It's the, not like Sam Rosen has time to do three hours of stories every game. But M MSG doesn't have time to do, like, at what point in a hockey game do you get to do an Edwin Diaz introduction? You don't. You don't. It doesn't happen. So it's... It's harder to make an, a, a, a hockey broadcast beautiful like you can with the Met game because they have so much time to fill that they get to just try shit. And they, they do stuff like like the, the Kill Bill buck cam when a Met gets hurt or allowing you to stay through the commercial break to see Edwin Diaz coming from the bullpen. All these things are great and fun and exciting. I can't think of a moment in a hockey game where they can take a swing like that. I like The biggest swing they get to take is I greatly enjoy – when uh, oh you gotta be shitting me with these back to back home runs I'm gonna fucking kill myself. Um, <laughs> like I greatly enjoy when they when ESPN I know people hate it I fucking love when they go behind the goal on the power play because it's the only time in a hockey game where you could actually use a different camera angle right like you just you have to think of how the game flows and works and you just you can't do all the things a baseball broadcast can do so I, I it, it, it's a I am thrilled and admire everything the SNY booth does for sure. But I don't think it's overly fair to then say that like MSG is poop. It's just, 
it's I'm not calling two different sports. I'm not calling. No, I know, I know, I, I know. I know. S and S and Y is a, is like S tier. They're up there in terms of yes. everything. They're they're S tier and they are the best baseball broadcast that exists. But like I think MSG does a very good job in the hockey landscape. Valaket is and I, top three I when it comes to hockey a- yes. analysis, period. Yes, and we have a history with Rosen and Micheletti, whether we think they're the best broadcast team in the world. No, they at just least, feel like home. That's yeah, there are, there, are guys, there are guys, and it's great. Um, so, like, there, there's very little I would ever say to change about the MSG broadcast just because I wouldn't even know how to. I don't so know. I, I, I don't know what they could do to. I I know how they could do things around the MSG broadcast to make the product better, but the actual broadcast itself, they do a great job. I have no. Complaints. Yeah, but like, what I want, like, I I don't want to replace Pito. I don't want to replace Giannone. I don't want to replace Valaket. Uh, yeah, I don't want to replace Hank. Yeah. I don't want to replace. I honestly like Sam. I it's kind of like the latter years with Bob Murphy, where I didn't want the Mets to replace Bob Murphy. At the same time, I knew Bob Murphy was missing something. I know Sam Rosen is losing his fastball or has lost a lot of. But it. I can't imagine someone else doing. I don't it. want I think that's someone my else problem. to do it. That's I. Yeah. I like going like I love after a long day of like shit work, working out, dealing with shit in your life that I get to hear Sam Rosen say like, "Welcome to another New York Rangers hockey," and they're like, "It's it's a power play goal." Like, man, I feel a lot better now. <laughs> Great, thanks. Well, Sam. plus it's like there are going to be errors that lead up to the goal for sure. But the the way Sam Rosen reacts to Rangers goals, you're never gonna get that again. No, right? It's phenomenal, and it's so like, think, authentic. He's that's who he is. It's not. Yeah, think think about his call for the Panarin overtime winner in the playoffs. Think about his call for Zibanejad's overtime winner on his five goal night. Think of think of every special Ranger moment you can think of during an MSG broadcast. And Sam Rosen was right there for it. Dude, Sam you Rosen can't was imagine doing another radio you, games. He didn't yeah. even have to do it. He just you can't imagine to. another voice making that call. So I will live with all the excuse me's. I will live with all of the, the the fumbles that lead up to it. Just because, like, I don't know, man. I just I like what I like at a certain point. And if that's going to be my soundtrack for my next five years, I'm not going to complain about the artist. Yeah, I'll let Sam. Whenever Sam wants to retire, that's when he should retire. Unless he literally can't speak. Uh, this is from David in New York. In light of how Truba was able to Sherpa Miller Miller into the legit top four D-man he is now, what do we think about the top, the pairings of Fox Miller? Oh, wow. This is ballsy. Fox Miller, Schneider, Truba, Lindgren, Jones, slash Hayek, uh, slash, Hayek, slash Lundquist. One of them. It would add shutdown value to the third pair, give Schneider a chance to benefit from the Truba wisdom. Uh, I think they wouldn't do that because Schneider is right-handed. And he right, and the Rangers are allergic to playing a guy on his offhand. It's not a bad yeah. idea. I kind of like uh, mixing it up and doing Fox Miller on the top pair, or Miller Fox, whatever you want to call it there. But I just don't think they would do offhand Schneider on the left side. Don't see it happening. I, and I also don't think – I think people are discounting Robertson as like an option for that final pairing spot. But I also, do think he has a little le- legitimate shot. Eh. I, I don't disagree, but He's it's almost like guy. one of the, I just if, think again, Ro- Robertson, Robertson to a lesser extent has to be Othman where he has to outplay guys. We have expectations for by so much that it, it seems like the odds are stacked I, against. Him. I don't think it'll be Lundquist at any, by any chance whatsoever. And I think it'll either be Jones or Robertson. I think it could be Lundquist. I have no reason not to. I just think the stuff from last year is kind of lingering. Yeah. But I mean, we live in a world, Ryan, where crap's off, off his back. back. Yes, you're right. Um, I do think, again, handedness plays a big role in this, which is why we do it. But I do think the more interesting 
Ranger defensive pairings is put Truba with Fox and put Miller with Lindgren. Like have Spicy. have two have two completely different offensive profile players with two completely different defensive profile players. Like I think part of part of the complaints people have when it comes to Truba is oftentimes he's being asked to do something offensively that I don't think he should be asked to do. And if you put him with Fox, all of those things go out the window and he would know that he doesn't have to do it. And I think Miller, I think if you put him in a role with another player that is even more defensively minded than Truba is, I think it would finally open up that final bit of his game that we have been wondering if it's there. Um, So I do think, but again, like we know the Rangers will never do that. It's righty, righty, lefty, lefty. It's never going to happen, blah, blah, blah. But I do think the more interesting stylistic pairings would be actually Truba Fox, Lindgren Miller. And I think if there's another level to find with Miller's game, I think that's how you truly, truly find it. If you're like, Hey man, you're going to be our fucking point forward. Essentially let Lindgren be the guy in the defensive zone. Let him be the tough body. You facilitate, become that guy all while not giving anything up defensively. Final question is from Chris in Norway. One of our uh, longtime supporters. Does the Truba news being named captain mean that Kreider is the man out? Will he be traded next offseason? Kind of discussed this a little bit already, but yeah, I, I still think no. I really don't. I think Kreider will be here as long as the Rangers are competitive. I still think the guys that will be phased out. It's going to be Ryan Lindgren won't get a big extension, and Phil Hedo won't get a big extension. I think. I truly think that's it. All right, let's uh, transition to our friend Johnny, and we'll be right back. Tran. Hey, we're back with our first guest and only guest today. We have Johnny Lazarus of the Blue Crew Podcast and world-famous NHL correspondent. Johnny, how are you? I'm great, guys. How are you doing? It's uh, the dog days of summer. Welcome right back. back. What do you think about Kreider being captain? <laughs> um, honestly, it's, it's weird, right? Because so many people are, like, reading into everything he said to the media. Like, oh, my God, he's so upset. Like, in the video that they made for Truba, you can sense Kreider's, like, pain behind those eyes and i'm like guys like he's still gonna be the same Kreider that he was you know like truba is just wearing the different letter but it's not gonna there's gonna be nothing different about the leadership this year i think i mostly said that to try and get you to like make sure you were paying attention so you passed test one that's good we got we got a couple more that's good greg well, do you want- <laughs> i'm gonna jump ahead because last year i failed a lot of the tests <laughs> greg do you want to ask your question you got a big one uh, no, because my answer, no, I don't. Okay. I, I really don't. <laughs> okay. I've, I've been, listen, I, my performance has changed once Mark can overran that fly ball. I'm now on a different stratosphere of existence. Uh, but honestly, honestly, Johnny, I, I will transition back to Truba being captain. The Johnny Lazarus take on him wearing the C is what? Listen, I, I said it on our show. I think a year ago, if people were to guess who the captain would have been, I think, 95% is what I said. 95% of them would have said Truba. Um, obviously, Kreider has this explosive year. And, you know, he, he did kind of lean into the media a lot this year. And, um, you know, a lot of people that, that you ask might say Kreider preferred to talk to media after a loss than he did after a win so he can hold himself and hold the team accountable. Like, he, I, I think it was obvious he really wanted that role. And obviously, who wouldn't? Um, you know, I think if you ask any player besides Panarin, they'd want to wear the C for the New York Rangers. Um, it came out obviously that Panarin didn't want to, but I, I think Truba is the right guy. I mean, he reminds me a lot of McDonough, a lot of Callahan and the way that they play, you know, they're, they're gritty guys. They're guys who put their body on the line every night. 
And, you know, obviously we, we aren't in the room. So a lot of the, a lot of the stories came out that Truba, you know, held a team meeting after game five against Pittsburgh, the team clicked. I mean, not necessarily the, in the best way, but they were able to come back three games in a row in, in a three, one series, um, you know, deficit. So, there is things to be said about Trooper's leadership skills. Obviously, Keandre Miller has talked about it and other guys have talked about it. And I, I do think it is the right choice. I, does it have any implications on if he'll get traded in the future? I don't know. I don't focus on that stuff. But I think for this team right now, where they need to be and what they need in the, in the last two years, that physicality, that grit, that kind of you know bad boy mentality, Truba is the guy that represents that best. I, I think also one thing we didn't mention earlier is he might be like a little bit more relatable for the rest of the guys in the, in the locker room. Kreider, we've talked about on this show, has a lot of weird hobbies. He's, you know, he's a pianist. Yeah, he, speaks, was, he was he was raised, raised by wolves. Raised by wolves like as he's, well. He's jigsaw he's not from fully Saw. human. Yeah, all yeah. those things and more. And Truba might be like more of like, you could go to him to really talk to things about things you <laughs> want to talk about. Where Kreider might ask you, what what were your taxes this year? Which forms did you have trouble filling out? But not not just that, Ryan. But why would the president and GM of the hockey team name anybody but himself to be captain? That's very true. Very true. Johnny, do you believe that Jacob Truba is GM secretly? <laughs> um, I love the way you guys just phrase stuff. <laughs> um, Thank you. No, it's great. I I uh, I don't think so. If I had to guess, but honestly, something that really surprised me, and I do watch a lot of you know the press conferences and stuff throughout the year, but I. I paid attention a little extra to the Truba press conference and he's way more soft-spoken than I really kind of imagined. I know like throughout the year, sometimes they just don't really want to do media, but you'd think a player would be so excited to like talk about being captain of a regional six franchise. And did you guys find that? I mean, Ryan, I know you were tenting and God knows where, but. Uh, well, yeah. well, John, thank you. John, <laughs> Johnny, let me, let me, let me turn this on your head. Cause you're a yeah. hockey player. You're, you, uh-huh. you, you've, you've grown up in hockey culture. Like, is Truba any different from any other hockey player you've ever really seen in front of a camera? They're all, I don't, listen, I don't, no disrespect, I'll put it out there. But you're all fucking bland. You're yeah. all boring. Like, you are an ex, an, an, ex, uh, an outlier. That's why most, I didn't make it. <laughs> yeah, most most hockey chat. players, they go up there, like, the reason why I think we all love what Kreider says in a press conference is because it actually looks like Kreider is speaking from the heart and he gives a shit. And Truba's quotes, they read a lot better than they sound. Like when you when you see Truba say it, it comes off as him just being kind of cliche. But when you read it, it feels like there's more meaning behind it. I just I just don't think hockey players are comfortable in front of a camera. So it's really hard for me to judge anyone harshly for being a hockey player in on TV. Yeah, no, it's honestly a great point. And I think we talked about it recently as well. Isaac Howard, I don't know if you guys saw his press conference after he was drafted by the Lightning this year in the first round when he said, I was the most handsome guy here. I had to dress like it. So a guy like that coming up and all these young guys coming up, you know, the, the more attention that's given to them, like obviously ESPN had so many short 10-minute features this year on guys like Zegris and Jack Hughes. And the more they're heard, the more they're going to want to talk. So I think, I really do think, the next generation of players is going to be more outspoken because they want the attention. You know, a lot of the guys that are in their thirties right now, never really wanted that or grow or grew up with that. So I think it is going to change. It's just a matter of who is really going to be that trendsetter to, to put themselves out there. I mean, like Rebo, Rebo was kind of, you know, different this year and, and Strom was always pretty personable. I mean, you guys had him on here. Like he was definitely a, a fun guy to listen to and, and hear from. Right. 
Strom is super personable. Uh, he's <laughs> also a guy you can get a million quotes from. He's willing to sit down and talk forever. But I think he's an anomaly. I wish like Panarin is super well spoken, but he doesn't yeah. want to do English interviews or be on video, which is totally fine as well. But he's a quote machine. He's but I'll I'll also say Ryan one. when you when you say that Strom's personable, I think if you get if you get a hockey player talking about not hockey, I think there's some of the most fun and funny interviews. Yeah. But when you try to focus it back, they all just kind of revert back to the robotic setting. And I, I, as much as I love to having Strom on the show, it the stuff that we had the most fun with Strom was talking about his mom reading the lineup in the locker room. Yeah, because when, when we were like, hey, how do you... Uh, and, and credit to Tony D'Angelo, the only time in his fucking life for saying this, but uh, <laughs> when we were like, hey, you know, what, what fans get on you, what, it's, what is it like? He's like, you know, I don't think you should get on people like that. And Tony was like, no, dude, I root for other sports teams. You should get on them. Like, that's part of being a fucking fan. And Strom yeah. took Strom took that in stride. To be fair, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. But, but go on, Greg, yeah. Sorry. That that that. Well, that that was just my point. Where it's like these guys. Like if if you're asking Truba, it's just like a heavy topic, and I think everyone feels the weight of the letter when it comes to being a hockey player because fans put expect like Truba's going to have different expectations this season now. And oh, hello. Some people are going to um, use the letter as a new reason to be disappointed in his play. And I think players understand that and they feel that, but I truly don't think in the locker room. And I know Johnny, you mentioned this as well. I don't think it's going to change anything. Mm-hmm. I think the guys have always known who the leaders are, who they need to look towards and what needs to be done. And we've said it on our show multiple times before, whether fans truly thought it was going to be Zibanejad or Fox or Kreider. If there was a captain last year, it was going to be Truba. And we knew that from the jump. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think, you know, be, being in a room is very different. And and a lot of fans don't really understand that because we're only really exposed to the media. And the media honestly hasn't been in the locker rooms in the last two, three seasons too. So you can't even get that post-game locker room kind of feel in the, in the press conferences as well. And like no one knows better than the players and better than the guys that are in that room every day who should be the captain, right? So I, I do agree and disagree in the same sense also on the expectations for Truba because I think what, – what is this going to be, his fourth year on the team or, or fifth year? It probably – it feels like 10th because the pandemic was in between when he in got 20, signed. 2019 is when they acquired him. So 2019-2020 pandemic season this year. It's actually only his fourth year. Okay. So I, I think in each of those four years, his expectations were different going into every single season, right? Like originally the 8 million man, 8 million man who should put up some points – but then Adam Fox comes in the next year and explodes and, you know, takes over that kind of top offensive defenseman role. Now Truba is this, you know, heavy hitter and, and all that stuff and that nonsense. And I think his expectations this year shouldn't be any different. Like he actually had a pretty solid offensive production season last year with Keandre Miller. And now, you know, the expectations should be more on Keandre to produce more than it should be for Truba. Truba's just got to hold down the defensive zone and let Keandre kind of do his thing, I feel like. Johnny, you were a hockey player, which I was one of my favorite ways to ask you any question, by the way. Just like, hey, you were you played the game, right? And we didn't. Uh, when did you know your development stopped? Oh, boy. You really want to get into this? I kind of do <laughs> because it's funny when we talk about development with players with Capococco or Lafreniere and how it's not really linear, right? Like when mm-hmm. it's it's you can go up and down. It's not a straight line. And I know Lafreniere, I think, has kind of been a straight line. It's just been a little bit slower than usual. But Kraftstoff right. and a lot of these players we're going to see over the next couple of years, they're going to have times where they struggle or can't make can't make the leap. Or, like, when did you know, like, it just, like, wasn't it? Wasn't it. 
So I actually, I'm, I'm really happy you asked this question. Great question. Great, great question. Glad Thank you asked you. it. Thank you. Um, and for me personally, and obviously I only played college, so I can't really relate to the pros, but a lot of it does have to do with the opportunity that the coach gives you. Like I came into my sophomore year at UMass and I was in the best shape of my life, really trained hard in the summer for like the first time I, you know, fully committed to the off ice training in the summer. And I came back and I, and I was scratched like the first, you know, 10 out of 12 games of the season. So like when I got ice time, I wasn't very confident. And I think confidence has a lot to do with your development. Like, you know, a guy like Lafreniere, when he's playing on the first line, he's probably feeling a lot more confident than he is when he's on the third line. Same with a guy like Kako and same with what's going to happen with Kravtsov. So I, I really do think, and that's why you see so many other guys thrive in, in different places because their coach believes in them and just gives them a different opportunity. You know, like a guy like Tage Thompson, who's a, who's a you know friend of mine from Long Island, weird plug, whatever you want to call it. You know, he plays in St. Louis, not getting a lot of ice time. This year he puts up 30 plus goals in Buffalo. It, it really is all just like what a coach sees in you and how they make you feel and you know, not to get all sentimental, but Gerard Gallant apparently is a, you know, player's coach and, and always, you know, builds his guys up. Obviously the Kako thing at the end of the season will have a lot to do with his confidence and his performance this year. If it's kind of out there that Gerard Gallant said, we wanted to give our team the best opportunity to win a hockey game and having Kako not in the lineup makes that happen. So listen, I, I'm not expecting much from Kako and that's why, and I'm sure we'll kind of get into like the lines for next season. I think Kako is going to be a third line guy for most of the year. And I really do think Kravtsov is going to be a second line player with Panarin and with Trocek. Cause obviously we've seen in the past too, that Kravtsov is a little more sensitive than Kako might be. And Kako has that chemistry with Hedl now after the playoffs. So I think each guy needs to be coached a little differently. You know, for me, I, I didn't perform when coaches were very hard on me. Like obviously you need to get yelled at sometimes when you're not playing well and when you need to, you know, step your game up a little bit, but that's what the leadership group is for, right? Like the captain should come into the locker room and say, Les, pick your fucking head up. Like, don't turn that puck over the blue line next time. If the coach is doing it, it's a way different message. So I think that's a huge reason too, as, as to why having a captain is important because as a player, you need that teammate to, to kind of lean on when you're not at your most confident. If the coach is just, you know, putting you down, it's, it's the worst feeling in the world, honestly, like just to not, have your coach's confidence and you, and you know that in every single play that you make. So I, I like early on, I think Kako is going to be like playing as simple as he can getting pucks out, getting pucks in. I don't expect much, much flash from him just because of the way that last year ended. And, you know, a guy like Lafreniere, if he's put on that first line, he's going to have like all the swagger, all the confidence simply because of what he knows his leashes, you know, that might've been a long answer. And I didn't even talk about my development, but um, you know, for me personally, it was just, my sophomore year of college and I knew I had to transfer and I went to Mercier so my junior and senior year because the coach there made me feel wanted and I knew I was going to play and I was told at UMass my sophomore year I wouldn't be an every night guy and and obviously that affected my confidence in the way I played. So Johnny what you're saying is you were a do stupid shit at the blue line kind of guy. Uh, <laughs> my first college game I actually turned a puck over at the offensive blue line they came in and scored on a breakaway and I've never been yelled at more in my life. <laughs> well you haven't you haven't met my mom yet johnny you just you wait um johnny I, I the thing that ryan was alluding to earlier that i'll ask how much stock how much time how much care do you put in the world juniors interesting because it, it's weird right now i think because the timing um you know if the world juniors were happening right now in december like they were supposed to happen and you know often's looked pretty good he's actually been really impressive i think thus far for canada like I think a Ranger fans will be talking right now that Othman could be called up at the end of this, at the end of his OHL season and join the team. I know there's obviously the rule behind it that the AHL or whatever 19 year olds can't play in the AHL, but 
for some reason it is weird right now having the world juniors in august but we've seen so many players emerge in the world juniors that haven't really panned out in the nhl and then and then vice versa we've seen a lot of guys like for example cam mccarr was the seventh defenseman for canada when they won the world juniors he wasn't even on a deep pair. like that's crazy to think about he literally like got the least amount of ice time for defenseman 14 Canada the year they won the gold medal, at least in the first couple of games. And look at him now. He's the best defenseman in the world and arguably could be the best defenseman to ever play the game. So, you know, there's guys like Jordan Eberle, who was a stud in the world juniors, probably the best Canadian player ever in world junior history, just the most clutch by far. And he's had a solid NHL career, but he's by no means like, you know, an all-time NHL great. So the world juniors, I, I think it's kind of hit or miss. Um, it's a great coming out party for a lot of guys. And, you know, like I said before, Athens and very impressive. And Sakura's I haven't watched much of Sakura play, but um, from the highlights I've seen, a lot of people are posting on Twitter. He looks like he's solid. But, um, you know, I've watched Canada and USA play a little bit, and, and Athens definitely looked pretty good. Yeah, I agree with you. But on top of that, do you see, like, any realistic scenario where Offen actually makes the goddamn team? Like, I know he's been looking pretty good. You mentioned the Everlay point, which I think is great. Uh, mm-hmm. And that, that kind of makes the point – you already said that Kraftstoff is going to be a second liner. Mm-hmm. Part of me wanted me to disagree with you right away, but I also know that Artem Panarin, for whatever reason it is, we've mentioned on the show multiple times, doesn't really like to play with Capococco. Seemingly, again, no real reports, whatever. I'm sure his grandpa's read about it on the internet, etc. But it does seem like he might, Kraftstoff might be kind of that player, but the only way Hoffman makes this team is if Kraftstoff kind of flames out. And then they have yeah. to keep him up after nine games, kind of no matter what. There's no, mm-hmm. like, there's no, like, his contract's going to slide if you keep him for the 10th game. So maybe he gets, like, a couple games, but he's really, really going to have to break it. But you don't see that happening, right? We don't. I, I don't see it happening at all. I don't. But at the same time, like, the hockey politics, you know, Chris Drury drafted Offman, right? Like, that was his first draft pick as GM. And depending on how he does in camp, like, I could see Offman getting that opportunity just because of, jury's loyalty and and often going back to the ohl like that's not really going to help him develop he dominated this year like what's that going to do for him um and it's annoying that that rule is i think you have to be like at least 20 years old to play in the ahl i'm not exactly sure what the rule is actually i'll give a shout out to harrison hasco who's a loyal listener of blue shirts breakaway and he mentioned that rule to me earlier this year that's which correct. i literally had no idea about yes um but like for me I, the only way often gets better is if he plays with the best of the best right like you, you, he just, to your point, he just the, we've talked about this on the show today too, but we've talked about it before. He just needs to face better competition. He doesn't yeah. have to face NHL competition. It's just he's mastered a level. He's done exactly. with the level. Has nothing to prove at that level. And it's mm-hmm. just ridiculous that there's a very clear next level that he can go to and compete in and prove that he's too good for that level too. And because of some stupid rule – that was invented probably in the 1870s. He's not allowed to go do that. It's yeah. dumb. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And, and that's why I think he most likely won't make the team because of the you know political aspect. When I last went on your show, uh-huh. the, the Blue Crew, you mentioned uh, the, one of the most beautiful skaters you've seen out there <laughs> was Alexi Lafreniere. And yes. Alexi Lafreniere in his exit interview said, the one thing I really want to work on in my offseason is my skating. Uh, what, uh, were, what were your thoughts on that? Definitely hurt my brand a little bit. Yeah, that sucked for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't pumped up. <laughs> but I never said he was the fastest or strongest skater. I said he was the prettiest. I just I just think, like, the way he moves up and down the ice, I don't know, something about it. I, I just love watching him skate. I mean, the prettiest skater in the league, and 
every Ranger fan listening is going to hate me for this, but it's, to me, it's Matt Barzell. Like, I could watch that guy play hockey for hours on hours. Like, I don't think it's that weird for you to say that. We're a pretty pro Barzell like podcast. We tried to offer sheet him for like two years ourselves. And on top of that, uh, I think the best skaters are obviously the big two, which is McDavid and McCarr. And after that, it's kind of like a big gap for everybody mm-hmm. else. But, really the, but they're not necessarily the prettiest skaters. You no. know what I mean? Like, sure, they fly, but like Barzal is just so smooth. Like, he is like, it, it's just a different thing. I'm trying to think of like another smooth skater. I, I kind of understand what you're saying, but when you watch McDavid, yeah. it doesn't make sense sometimes. Where it's like, he's oh, just all. gliding past five people. How exactly mm-hmm. is he doing that? He's got the same skates on, right? There's no rockets. What's going on? How's so, that? someone like Barzal actually says Jack Eichel also. Jack Eichel looks like he's not even trying and he flies. Like it's just so it's just so smooth and so pretty to watch. Like Eichel actually might be the, you know, next to Barzal, I would say the like the prettiest. Ranger legend Jack Eichel, yes, for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there was a billboard, I think, once. There was, him. yeah. He just lost a yeah. job or whatever. It's no big deal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Real, real, real fun for me. Hey, speaking of losing a job, let me uh let me about face to something that we haven't talked about that I'm not sure Ryan even knows happened. Hmm. Um, Johnny, a lot of this off season we've talked about how the Hurricanes are still the team to beat and they should be feared. Now that they have Max Pacioretty, but since Pacioretty doesn't have a Achilles tendon anymore, oh, yeah. by the way, Ryan, he's out for six months. Uh, do you think it changes the forecast of the Metropolitan Division significantly in your eyes, or is it just the Hurricanes are going to be fine, but this is just kind of a bummer? I, I think the Hurricanes are going to be fine, just kind of a bummer. Um, they're they're just built for the regular season, like the way they play, the way they're coached. Freddie Anderson, like people are still. I, I listen. I, I know we're kind of all on the same team here that. We don't want to say the Rangers made it as far as they did, like the backup goalie situation, or whatever, with the Ming and and with Ranta for Carolina. But like, y- you gotta give Carolina a little more credit. If Freddie Anderson's in goal for that series, like, I-, I don't love the Rangers' odds as much as I did against Ranta and Kaketkov, right? Like, you guys got to agree with that. I mean, Freddie Anderson was, you know, a top three, top five goalie this year, next to you know Igor and um, Markstrom. Yeah, it's the guy you just mentioned, though, that I'm still feeling pretty good. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And I should say it's confirmed that he's in Florida right now skating. Shout out to Justin Cavalmaster who skated with him. What a scoop. He scooped him up. <laughs> <laughs> you guys love the insider stuff. Yeah. The, like, listen, Igor, he's, he's skating. Breaking news. <laughs> he's got a nice tan down in Florida. Yeah. I'm sure he's hanging out with uh, probably maybe Bushnevich is down there. That'd be fun. A little bit little bit of trouble in board games. A little That's sorry. A you could run yeah, of course. Well, do, what is. We got to find out one day what it is about. Like, is Florida just so, like, clim- climately different from Russia that every Russian is just, I need to be in Florida when I'm not playing hockey? Like, wasn't well, that the whole – that was the whole Bobrovsky thing, and that's why we thought Panarin was going to go there for a little bit. They all just chill in sunny Isles, Florida. That's like all the Russians are. So I've been there once, I swear, like, everyone was Russian there. It's the community then. It's just like, hey, everyone mm-hmm. else is there. Why not? It's got beaches. Yeah. It sounds like a good time. Yeah. I know a lot of the guys train in Connecticut in the summers, like at that Prentice. Um, yeah, everybody everybody loves Stanford and Florida. It's, I will say this. It's ridiculous what Stanford is now, because when I grew up in that area, Stanford was just kind of a, an exit on the highway. And now it's a legitimate destination with fun things to do. And you can have a good night out in Stanford. And all I'm saying is, that's fucking bullshit that I didn't have that <laughs> option when I was living there. I'm going. I keep. I'm going to go back. I, I'm not more, oh, sorry, Johnny. Go on. No, no, you're good. I, I keep going back in my brain about the the crap stop comment you make about your what second mm-hmm. the, the crap stop comment about no, second what? 
Perhaps keep going back to my brain. What happened? What yeah. I do? Yeah. Well, you have one. That's that's good. It's good to know. Oh fuck. Okay. Yeah. I'm an idiot. <laughs> anyway, we get the point. Um, and not only you, but another certain writer we love to follow, uh, Larry Brooks, has been mentioning the kid line multiple times. Like, would the Rangers put that back together? The Lafreniere, Capo, and, and Hedl line. And I wonder if that's the opening third line opening night with Kravtsov on that second line and Sammy Blay somehow sneaking his way into the top line with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider. Is it, could you see something like that happening, Johnny? I would say – I don't think it's impossible. Um, I mean, it, it, they've shown they can click, but that's the key word, right, development. Like, everyone wants to see the kids develop, and the way they develop is getting more ice time. So it, it doesn't make much sense for me to do that. Um, although, like I said, I, I think keeping Kako and Hedl together just works. Like, I think you'll get the best out of both of them having them play together. And I think you'll get the best out of Kravstov, too, playing with a guy like Panarin. So I, I, I don't expect that on opening night, but – I'm sure at one point this season we will see them back together, like at some point, but not not for longevity, just for like I would, maybe. I, I I I agree with the last point, right? We know it works, so it's nice to have that fallback option. I think one of our biggest critiques, one hour being mine and Ryan's biggest critiques with Gallant is instead of trying different things, our biggest problem with David Quinn is he would try too many things, right? We wanted someone. To reel it back. We stopped wanting. We didn't want the line blenders. It was too much. Let these guys get some continuity. Let these guys feel comfortable where they're playing. You're asking too much of them to seven minutes into a game, change the entire game plan. We wanted that scaled back, but it's almost like we corrected too hard with Gerard Gallant, where now Gallant finds something he likes and that's it. We're not trying anything else. This is what I like. I'm not doing anything else. I It's like, you go to a restaurant, you like the restaurant. It's a very good restaurant. There's no reason for you to necessarily eat anywhere else because you like that restaurant. But you have to try other restaurants because there's a chance that something's going to tickle your fancy a little bit better than what you like right now. And it's not saying what you like right now is bad. It's not saying you can't go back to it. But it's yeah. every now and then you do have to branch out and try something new. And I think my frustration throughout the year is that you get into a situation where you're in the playoffs and someone gets injured and all of a sudden, you don't know what else could work because you didn't try it in the regular season. So while I'm all for the kid line getting back together at some point in time, and if the Rangers got to the playoffs and they're like, you know what, this works, we're running with it, that's great. But an 82-game season is a lot of time for you to try different shit. And I, I just, I'm going to be disappointed if come opening night, the Rangers aren't like, let's try this. Why not? Why not branch out and try something new? Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I, I was I was begging for them to put Petrano and Panarin together. Like I, I I really thought that having Kreider and Petrano on the same line was dumb, but like I mean it works, right? So like why fix what wasn't broken? But I, I really thought it would have spread out the goal scoring had Panarin and Petrano, and that's easy for me to say, right? Like I'm not the one on the bench, I'm not the one, you know, running the team, but I really just thought having two shoot first players on the same line and, and pretty much two threats to score. Petrano really turned his game up when he came to New York. And I think if, if he was able to play with Panarin and, and you just swap cop with Petrano, like I, I, I think it could have just spread out that goal scoring. And like everyone says Panarin struggled and, you know, whatever you want to say in the playoffs, but like you got to look at who he was playing with too, right? Like they weren't really helping out much. And I know cop had a really strong first round, but he was, pretty quiet I thought also after the first round like you know I don't even know did he score a goal in the second or third round like I don't even remember I think Cop was one of those other guys that just 
we'll never find out how injured that he actually was. Similar uh-huh. to Panarin. So yeah, I, I I don't think he really, I don't think he scored or, or had great production in the second or third round, but he was there. He obviously. Yeah. Uh, but for me, like just having, you know, goal scoring on multiple lines. Like I, I just thought they, I, I don't know. I, I, I really wish they would have tried that out more in the regular season, but like it was working, you know, like the Rangers weren't scoring five on five goals that often before the deadline. And after the deadline, they were exploding at five on five. So like, why would you really fuck with the lines? Like, it's, yeah, but it's the, to, to that point, the the difference between why the Rangers weren't and why they were is they added NHL players, yeah. right? Isn't that a bit? We went from having Dryden Hunt in the top six to now we have Andrew Kopp and Frank Vetrano mm-hmm. in the top six. And while Dryden Hunt is a good hockey player, he can't do what those other guys can do. So mm-hmm. it, it actually the point you are making brings my point into bigger focus in my eyes where like, they weren't scoring goals and they still weren't trying shit. Yeah. They, of course, part of that is Kapo was out, right? That's yeah. that's a big part of it. Um, and yes, they did put Lafreniere up, but they weren't really doing much else. They were kind of like, well, it's going to be a struggle and hopefully Igor stops more than we are able to uh, score ourselves. But like this season, unlike last season, when healthy, the Rangers are going to have at least – 11 guys that I'm confident can do various things extremely well. And it's going to be super frustrating if through the first two months of the season, it's kind of just cookie cutter, one, two, three, four, every night. And Mm -hmm. I like, especially the points you've been making, right? We don't really know what we can expect and, and get out of Kravtsov. So why don't we just put him in crazy situations and see what the fuck happens? We don't really know how much power play time necessarily will still be able to get the kids. So why don't we just ask Alexi Lafreniere to play on the right wing? We don't really know what Capococco's true offensive potential is. So why don't we just force feed him top line minutes for three weeks at a time? Hell, we don't even know just how big of a leap Phil Hedl can continue to make following his great postseason. So why don't we just feed him 14 minutes a night and see what the hell happens and pull back on Trocheck early, knowing that we need to save miles on his legs for when it matters most later. And it's, it's, it's stuff like that. Like why not give Will Cooley a three week run, not just in your bottom six, but maybe something a little bit more responsive. Why not have Sammy Blay do some different things up and down the lineup? Like it, it's the more questions you can answer in the regular season, the better off you're going to become playoff time because you're going to need various answers in the playoffs. And I think the one thing holding the Rangers back in the playoffs last year is we just didn't have enough answers for the different things that they ended up having to do. And part of that comes down to doing uncharacteristic things in a regular season, because I got to tell you, I understand that two points every night are important, Uh but a game on October 17th is not as important as a game on April 13th. So why don't you take chances in October knowing you're going to have to do something that works in April. And it's better to know if you can have multiple things that work as opposed to just one, because I promise you, Hockey is too chaotic of a sport. Your one thing is going to get blown up, and you need backup plans. And that, that I feel like, was one of the big reasons why the Rangers struggled at certain times in last year's playoffs. It's because they didn't have backup plans, and they were kind of just stuck. I also think to that point, like, October is – you might say a game on October 13th doesn't matter, but the way you start – I didn't season, say it doesn't matter. I said it doesn't yeah. matter as much as a game on April 13th. But look at the Islanders last year. I know their schedule kind of fucked them a little bit, but like out of the gate, like 
their season in, in November was like, you know, we put ourselves in too much of a hole and they tried to fix it. They, you know, they shuffled their lines around. They couldn't find goal scoring and it just didn't work. Sometimes it just doesn't fucking work. And, and this year the Rangers are good. Like they're probably going to struggle again this year too, because you're asking more now from Kako. You're asking more from Kraftstock. You're asking more from Lafreniere. You're asking more from Miller. All these young guys are going to have higher expectations than they ever have before. And it's going to be really hard for them. I, I mean, listen, they, they might pull through and they might perform and they might exceed expectations, but you know, people might expect another Eastern conference finals run, but like I, I'm I, this, you could use this however you want to say it. I still think the same expectation should be to win a playoff round the same way it was last year. Like yeah. that really was the goal. I like, was, I was going to follow up with what you're because Ryan and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago where like mm-hmm. that, that's not going to cut it for me. I, winning, I, 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 round? winning one round is what is expected. I wouldn't say that's, a that's what I said. It's expectation. Yeah. No, but like, that's like checkbox number one. Mm-hmm. That you, there are more checkbox. I need the Rangers to. If the Rangers only win one round and go out before the Eastern Conference Final, that's not a successful season in my eyes. No, not, def- not- definitely not. But but I still think, like this team is not built to win the Stanley Cup tomorrow. You know, it's 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 built to win in the next two to three years. Like I said, twenty twenty five. That's the year I want the Rangers to win the Cup. Like if it's not a Cup or bust that year, then like. What the fuck have we been doing for the last couple of years? Like, I really, I don't, think- I, I don't know, Johnny. It feels cup or bust. Now, there are no more moves. This is it. This is the roster. Expecting them to all of a sudden, I do. I expect them to continue to grow. Yeah, but I'm also at some point expecting a regression from some of the older guys. Like this, this is as close to an apex as you're going to get with this exact group. Zabanejad's young enough. Kreider's young enough. Truba's young enough. Your veterans, your Panarin's young enough. They are young enough where. I'm expecting their prime to continue for about two more seasons. But 2025, I'm expecting one of them at least to be dragging a barrel behind them. Mm-hmm. So well, I, 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 just, I disagree with you where I, I think Jury built this roster to win a Stanley Cup this year. Because really? I got to tell you, if he didn't, that, he already failed because he's got no moves left to make. I just I just don't know if this year – I mean, listen, with Igor Shosurkin and that, like anything's possible. But – would you feel comp like last year? Would you have felt confident in a series against Colorado? I think they honestly probably could have gotten. No way, dude! No way! Like that team is is by far, by far a better hockey team right now. Like the, yeah, but the Rangers, their their big Achilles heel is a dude I've seen play a lot of games. For the yeah, their goalie. We've watched. And it. I got I got to tell you, if I need to outscore the Colorado Avalanche in order to win a hockey game, I have the right guy in between the crease, and I got the right guys in my lineup to do it. But I mean, look at Kemper last year. Like he was a bottom goalie through the entire playoffs. Like he did not perform that well. I understand. Like the their, their best defense was a good offense. Like they had the puck most of the game. Like they, they were just, they're so fast. And so they didn't, they didn't have to play Igor Shesterkin at any point in the playoffs. That's an, that's another good point. I mean, we have Igor and you don't, right? That's, 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 that's all it takes. I, yeah. Unfortunately, we didn't get the job done for four straight games against Tampa Bay Lightning. None of it really was Igor's fault directly. I, you got a chance and you have to win. I agree with Greg. It's the next two to three years. You have to win before you have to pay Igor again. Because once you have to pay Igor that big salary of which he will demand and which he will deserve, it's going to be a lot harder, especially when you can't. Uh, Trocek's unmovable. At that time, Mika Zabinijad's unmovable. Panarin's going to have one year left at $11.5 million. I know the cap's going to go up a little bit at that point, but you're, you're, the window's over. You have you have until 2025 to win a cup, and then you start rebuilding again, unless Lafreniere and Kako are just popping off like crazy. I know Box and Igor will be around, but it's going to be a little tight. Well, Colin Stevenson made the point, too, back in, like, 
<laughs> back in May, I think that, or maybe what it might have not been Constantine. I think it was actually Sad Boy Steven who was comparing the Rangers now Prefer to the Blackhawks of like 2010. I mean, like you kind of look at Kane and Taves, like they came in at the same time, took them like four to five years to win a cup. Hell, it's like fucking Nathan McKinnon nine years to even get there. Like, you know, Lafreniere is a first overall pick. And like the fact that he got to the Eastern Conference final in his first real NHL season, like second full year, whatever you want to call it with the COVID year, like that's pretty amazing. And Kako too, number two overall pick. Like, you know, I, I like the fact that they're even there this early in their career. And, you know, a guy like Foxy, who's 24 years old, like Keandre Miller, who's so young, like, you know, they're, it's hard to say they're going to get there again, but to really expect that in back-to-back years, I, I just, I'm trying to be as like realistic as I can. I'm obviously like a biased Ranger fan at, at most times, but like, do, do you really think that this team got so much better this off season? Cause like, yeah, the second line center is a huge addition in Trocheck, but I, I don't really think I'm that confident in saying that they're a much better team going into this year than they were post deadline last season. Pre-deadline, they're a much I think they're a better team, but it's also it's not really what I think. It's what the Rangers are telling me. They're they're maxed out. It's over. It's done. Like this, the Rangers are telling me this is the roster that's going to lead them to the promised land. So therefore, I have to believe that this is the roster that's going to lead them to the promised land. They're to a certain extent, yes, fans can set their own expectations, but it's the New York Rangers who have set these expectations. Because they don't have the room to make a significant move to change everything that we're currently seeing right now. This is the Rangers saying that this collection of talent is the best we're going to do in order to win a Stanley Cup. And that it, that's what they're telling us. So for me to just sit here and be like, if they win one playoff series, it's another success. That's not what they're telling me. Because I know that you're success. I'm just saying that's what I'm expecting going into the year. But like Okay, then what would you consider a successful Rangers season? Getting to game seven of the conference final. One game better than last year. Like, And anything, just, anything lower than that, you'd be disappointed. I'd be disappointed, but I don't think it's a failure. I think if they don't win a playoff round, then the season is a failure. I think if they I think win if, a playoff I, round. I really, I really think if they don't win two, I can't call the season a success. I, I just can't. I mean, it's, it's, listen, it's, it's interesting, right? Like, I like I, I just I think it's very similar to the Colorado Avalanche team last year that you know same spot as the Rangers they went up two nothing against Vegas and Vegas won four straight and I think that Colorado team is just structurally built so much better right now than this Rangers team because these young guys just have to grow into themselves like you can't expect Lafreniere had what thirty points this year like and I think the number we said was like you know what would be amazing for Lafreniere and I think we said like sixty like double the amount he had this year. Like that's that's a pretty insane expectation. Like no matter how much time he ice time he's getting, I'm not sure. Is it not? I mean, like we're we're saying he's going to be on the first line next year, right? But like we're talking about a, a 20 year old kid who had 30 points in the NHL. Like, I mean, I'm pretty sure if he's on the first power play, he's racking up 55 easily. Last year, yeah, do, do any do we, any of the three of us sitting here right now truly expect him to be on the first power play unit? No. Like you're gonna one of you is gonna look me in the eyes and tell me it's just not gonna be Vincent Trocheck. It's gonna be Trocheck. I, I actually want it to be Heedle in that strong spot. I I, I would any kid, any kid, I any of the three. Pick one. Heedle, yeah. hell, Rotate even Kravtsov. Rotate. Put, put any Don't of the four. Front guy, he played net front for Carolina. He played net front for Florida. Like throw him in the fucking net front on the second unit. Like put him in Kreider spot. But I, I can already, I can already see the argument that like we brought Trotek in here to win faceoffs, and when is a faceoff win any more important than when we're on the power play? Like I, I can just, I can see it happening. That's also before it even happens. 
Did we lose you, Johnny? No, no. I just think that's I, I think that's a fair point as well. I think faceoffs are important on the best, especially on the power play. And the but range. also, again, like going back to a point I made earlier, Gerard Gallant, maybe not the most creative human being in the world. If he sees Trocheck as a straight Ryan Strom replacement, you're telling me he's not just going to make Trocheck do everything Ryan Strom did? We'll see. Is he a strong placement? I don't know. Like, I'm just I'm, I'm saying put, put yourself put yourself in Gerard Gallant's shoes. Everything we know about Gallant and everything that we've been able to read from him as a lineup builder. Like if someone comes out of the lineup, usually more times than not, he just expects that other player to do everything that player did in the lineup, right? Like it's a straight replacement across the board. And if Trocheck's gonna be given the Strom job, you're telling me you can't see a scenario in which He's taking Strom's job in every respect. Well, they're just different players. Like Strom never killed penalties. Strom was more of a, a skill finesse kind of player, whereas Trocek isn't. So I, I don't think you can't. And that's why the lines might look different. Like I don't think Trocek's going to be plugged in with, you know, Panarin and, and Kako or whichever guy you're going to put on that second line. Like, like you said, Greg, to your point earlier, like they're going to have to shuffle things around because Trocek is I'm, all, I'm all for it. I want – give give me give me – Every variation line combination you can. But I'm also just a body language doctor, right? Where it was Trocek and Drury at his press conference that said, I'm here to play second line minutes. And it's just mm-hmm. like, God damn, why are you making it this fucking official this early? Why can't yeah. you just be, why do you have to be so rigid? It's, I, I, I just want elasticity. I want flexibility. All right. I want them to do the splits. I want them to have some fun. Johnny, yeah, thank you I'm so ready. much for joining us tonight. <laughs> Appreciate it. Why don't That's you all you got for me. Nothing else. You're not going to test my mental knowledge or anything. What, no, what do you, I don't what you got? care, dude. It's 40 minutes. It's August 15th. Thank you for joining. <laughs> Short notice. So, I love you guys. I'm always happy to join. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I'm sure Base, was, baseball. Baseball hasn't that. clicked with you yet, huh, Johnny? What's up? We haven't been able to get you on the baseball train yet. We, 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 I'm like really trying. I really am. Um, it's just like it's so it's so tough. I love going to games, but like to sit down and actually watch a full game. I actually I happen to love watching during the day because like it's nice to have a baseball game on like in the background while I'm working. So like I enjoy baseball then because it's a great distraction. But like if I'm just like sitting in bed at night and I'm watching baseball, like it's it's just not that enjoyable for me. Well, I mean there, there have been some Met games that have been really fun to watch. Though. I'll also I'll also say this: if you're like a true neutral, baseball is probably the most impossible sport to bet on consistently. Oh, it's horrible. Just it's fucking horrible. I can't stand. I as big baseball fan, I don't think I'm breaking news with that. It's fucking impossible to bet on baseball accurately. It's the worst. Makes no sense to me. Like you could you could have Garrett. Like I actually bet on the Yankees like once a summer, and it was the game where Garrett Cole up like six runs in the first inning, and I was like, this is supposed to be the fucking ace for them. Like, yeah, you don't know like when when any pitcher can get blown up in any game. You know what I'm talking about, Greg? Uh, no, because I haven't ever seen Jacob Degrom get blown up in any game. That's, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just talking about, you know, it's, it's impossible to predict to how to set your lineup in fantasy baseball. That's been today's show, oh, Johnny. Get the fuck out of here. little conniving weasel, all right? <laughs> Johnny, this motherfucker is a fucking cheat. That's all you need to know Greg's about. Greg's becoming Ryan. a robot, so we will end the show. And I'm not saying that so he can't scream more. He legitimately is. No, I'm not becoming a robot. You're fucking with my Johnny can it attest. Was test for me wait, wait, uh before before i do go because i know you guys are just gonna end this abruptly and cut me off yeah. <laughs> i i actually want to know ryan i'm sure you talked about it already but i personally just like want to know sure when you turned your phone on were you just like how could i ever go on vacation ever again 
I turned my phone on and I, I, I had it on do not disturb mode and I got, I just turned data on when I got back. Cause you know, Hey, like, listen, I'm in Canada. I didn't want to pay for like the, whatever Rome. the extra service. And I just wanted uh, to be disconnected. Didn't want to hear anything. And one person who's a supporter of ours named Brett texted me and he goes, just so you know, Trubus captain, I know you probably don't know. <laughs> I oh was like, God. what? And I, I turned it on and I was like, this, you can't. The first thing I saw was that they had a press conference and that, that kind of made me more upset than anything because I've been just bitching about MSG not using one of their seven channels for nine years. Uh, and uh, here we are. They did everything and Trubo just like on pretty much like to three days later after my birthday was like, yep, captain now. Uh, surprise. So uh, I waited. I thought I took the right time. Next September, I'm going to take my honeymoon after three years later. Finally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they'll probably do something crazy then as well. I was just like, I, something I respect about you guys so much is that you like literally never take a week off. And I know you haven't taken a week off. And the fact that the one week were like literally the one time is the week that true was announced captain, like the first captain in four or five years that we've been waiting for it for so long. Like it, it's, it's, it's so comical. It's like I, I felt so bad. It's ridiculous. I think Greg and I have taken, we've recorded early episodes, I think like maybe eight or nine times in the 379 episodes or whatever it is now. So yeah, fucking ridiculous. Johnny, uh, plug your shit, please. Yeah, just uh, check out the Blue Crew or you know follow me on Twitter, jlazzy23. I'm J-Laz. sure we'll have more collabs throughout the season. I love, like, I literally love you guys so much. I love talking to you. Kiss I love me. listening to you. Uh, <laughs> I love you guys shit on me. You, you it really makes too? my day. I love you too. Are you, so. Here, I'll say it to you. I love you too, John. I love Thank you, you Ryan. I love you. Greg, anything? Greg's still there. I fucking hate Ryan. That's all I really <laughs> if, if, if anyone's curious how many times I texted Ryan during his vacation to him on anything, it was like negative. I took, I took texts away from sending Ryan. That's true. Also, also I did, I did a little insert on Truva. So we got the news out as soon as it happened. It, it, it was there. It existed. Yeah. Greg did it. He was there. He was on Patreon. We're yeah, we didn't need Ryan. What what thought was Ryan gonna have? Hey guys, I'm in the woods. I'm fucking Ryan Mead. Bam, bam, bam. That's true. That's exactly <laughs> what I said. It was a great time. Mount Treblon is an amazing national park. All right, uh, we'll be back later this week with BSBOT. You can follow me on Twitter at O'Ryan Meek. Follow Greg Bush Bye bye bye. I love you. Bye. Okay, end of the show. Gonna thank all the NHL insiders. I'm gonna definitely mess up a couple names as is tradition. I was thinking sometimes soon I should try and do this without looking at the names. Like try. I've said it so many times where I should just go ahead and. See if I can do 71 names in a row. I don't think I'm going to do that this show because I already have it up, but sometime soon, before the season, I'm going to see if I can memorize everybody. Just banging out in a row. Fun. All right. Adam Cohen, Adam Cartula, Adam Keish, Adam's Galax Gardner, Anthony Terragata, Brent Waters, Ben Weber, ben, Bill Rattel, Brendan Lycos, Brett McGinnis, who broke the Trooper news to me, Brian Doyle, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Broadway Blucher, Bleeder, Chris Finelli, Chris Haru, CJ Stillwagon, Conrad P. Demich, Daniel Dezen, David Narrative, David Siegel, Dennis Deitz, Darian, Eric Stagg, Garrett Rainis, Gib Gardner, Cup. Garrett Gretzky, Fly, Harrison Hasco, Hip Hip 89, Holosauce, Ian Rodriguez, Ian Usher, Jake B, James Masker, Jamie Filippone, Jerry Masker, uh, oh, sorry, Jerry, and my apologies, Jerry Marquez, JD, Jimmy, Jimmy Mack, JD, JJ, Frankie Jenkins, J, oh, I'm going too fast, JJ, Jackie Freight, JJ, Frankie, JJ, I don't re record, I don't do it, John Hardesty, John Shea, Johnny Thundercott, Jordan, Josh Kestenbaum, Justin Freeman, Christopher Florida, Christoph Berg, late, oh, no. Oh, no, Ryan. I know we've been in the woods, buddy. We can do this. Leshik Gronowski. Leshik Gronowski. Fuck. Lou Giordano. <laughs> Matthew Kine, the legend himself. Meatball the Cat. Neil Grover. Nicholas Di Nicola. Pascal Perrier. 
Pavel Kodrev, Pro World Detects Gamer, Randy Tesser, Sean Taggart, Stig Bulbach from also Swingard, Tommy Welsh, Tommy Seclary, Tommy O'Neill, Tommy Timer Shooter, Tori from Manhattan, Upstate, Vin, Vinny Bracco, Vinny Hay, Will Spectre, and Winston, the Golden Retriever. I'm back from vacation. I missed somehow the goddamn captaincy announcement. Uh, I hope everyone's having a wonderful summer taking care of yourself, taking your, having a great vacation on your own. I went to Canada. Uh, a lot of people don't speak English in Mount Trumbull, it turns out. And uh, I can see why Montreal fans, like, they get... Like, I was in Montreal. Beautiful city. I love Montreal. Just one of the best places. If you ever get a chance to visit, visit during the summer, it's awesome. Great transit, clean city, good nightlife, tons of food. But I, I do have to go back for hockey season. I, I want to go to a game. I kind of want to see how crazy it gets. Because when you're when you're there, they don't really talk about... I heard a commercial on the sports radio was like, catch all the action. And it was mostly just like snippets about, you know, how the, the Habs are going to suck this year again and in top 10. And then there was one and it's like, catch all the touchdowns from the, the Canadian Football League. And I was like, do people really care about that here? World Juniors was on TV. Sports, it's a whole different world. It was very strange. Anyway, that was my time in Canada. Mount Treblant, also super nice. If you get a chance to hike there, awesome times. Uh, we'll be back later this week with BSBOT, of course. Thank you so much for listening, as always. We'll talk to you soon. Love you. Bye.